Hello, friends, family, co-workers, acquaintances. Strangers on the internet. Strangers on the internet. Trolls. You're all welcome to the First Issue Club. Join us, if you will, to our ongoing weekly adventure, wherein we discuss First Issue comic books. Why, do you ask? Well, they're the most accessible. They're introducing those fun, new, exciting stories in every single genre you could ever imagine. Man, we love to read. I love reading so much. You could say, just like Sue Storm, I love a good read. Oh, you nailed it, buddy. And I drew up some fun characters to make a button of just that, our famous catchphrase. Ooh. And they're coming in the mail soon. I think we're going to give them out at Planet Comic Con if you run into us or if you're a First Issue Club fan in the KC area. Seek us out at the con. Find out what we look like. Yeah, we look like this. If you're watching the video. Wait at the entrance all day. Don't move until you see one of us. This is the main attraction of Planet Comic Con in Kansas City, is getting one of these First Issue Club limited edition Sue Storm buttons. Yeah. If you don't know what we look like, we'll be at Planet Comic Con. We're the white guys with glasses and beards. little greasy. <laughs> That's how you'll know it's That's us. That's how you'll know it's us. <laughs> Lord, we are going to talk about said first issues, but like we always do, we're going to get into the comic book news first. Yeah. This week, uh, I think a lot to talk about, and we, we may even have a bump in listenership this week because there's so much being said about Marvel movies, and boy, do those SEO intrigue mm. into those things, and our, and our search engine optimization power that we put into our blog listings help us get some plays on these episodes. That's right. So let's get into it and let the transcript show. We're talking Marvel Cinematic Universe, baby. De Deadpool, Deadpool, Deadpool. Deadpool. Um, trailer, trailer, trailer. Madam Web? <laughs> What's going to get hits? Yeah, I don't Morbius. know. Morbius. <laughs> Morbius might do better than Madam Web. Okay, so uh, I want to bring this up. In particular, based on one, I think, comic book conspiracy theory, I have floating around my head. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. These Sony Marvel movies, if, uh -huh. you're, if you've been a comic book fan for a long time, you know what I'm talking about already. Yeah, the best Marvel movies. <laughs> Go on. Let me try to summarize it for people who don't know the difference between Sony Marvel movies and Disney Marvel movies. They're their own sub-universe that's separate from the Avengers stuff. So, they're, they're the movies you have to call your little nephew up and be like, who is this? Yeah, right. Who Those are the movies. Weird, obscure character. Uh, in any case, typically known for being subpar, uh, Madam Web is a movie that was kind of getting drugged through the mud before it had even come out. Yeah. Which is an unfortunate thing that I think happens to a lot of comic book movies, especially a lot of women-led comic book movies. Which... I don't understand this because it's a it's a superhero movie starring Sydney Sweeney. Yeah. Which is like an AI generated dude fantasy. <laughs> right? <laughs> like if you told Chad GPT to 
envision write a successful comic book write movie. a successful comic book movie for men yeah it would be like spider-man starring sydney sweeney they killed it on that casting i know they started making this movie forever ago and in the interim yeah sydney not not that sydney sweeney wasn't immensely famous before but she's become like hugely famous yeah. over the last like eight to ten months yeah, I feel. she blew up yeah she's like more of a household name now um okay I think the MCU has been suffering lately. We talked about this last week. Sure. Uh, Millennials and Gen Xers are more and more disinterested and going to the movie theater less because of this. Um, One of the biggest reasons that's been cited is superhero movie fatigue. Yeah. Another thing we talked about last week, so Mm -hmm. I won't get into it again. These Disney has been throttling the cadence in which they're putting these movies out severely compared to what they used to do. Yeah. And one thing that they can't control is how often other people are putting out Marvel movies <laughs> or oh, sure. or just comic book movies in general, right? Sure. And I think Marvel is trying to fight this bad this like secret battle with Sony. So they're not poisoning the well. Yeah. of MCU hype. Because most audiences don't necessarily know or understand the difference. There's so many MCU movies at this point that I are I can barely keep track of them. And I host a comic book podcast. Yeah. Right? So the other ones that kind of tie in or don't at all, like, what is happening here? Yeah. I think Madam Web coming out and Disney announcing five new things or rumors coming out about several new Marvel comics things this week uh-huh. is no coincidence. I think they're trying to hype you up for their stuff and make provide clarity on what's theirs and what isn't theirs yeah. by news dumping during the release week of Madam Web. I see what you're saying. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, finally yeah. got around to my conspiracy theory. I get it. I and get I feel it. really I know I know it's a conspiracy theory, but this is one I tr- like truly and honestly believe this is why so many things got dropped this week. Yeah. I mean that makes sense. It's and it's all like big hype stuff too. It's not like oh Eternals 2. Yeah. You know, like stuff that would be like the regular churn yeah. that we're expecting. It's right. like Hey, X-Men the Animated Series and Deadpool 3 and Fantastic Forecasting. Yep. And, you know, like heavy and hit stuff. Rumors of a Midnight Suns movie. Yes. I think we talk about each of these things. I think they're each their own news hit. I'll, yeah. I'll say that as we're recording this, Madam Web has only been out one day. I intend to go see it. And, as do I. And give you all takes. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I go into it with an open mind. The thing that I'm hearing the most about it right now is one of my least favorite words that's becoming trendly lately, which is mid. Sure. (laughs) I don't know why. I just hate that word so much. Yeah. Maybe just uh... because it's like a casual way of saying not impressed and people say it so often that it's just like. It's the least descriptive descriptor you could have. Yeah. Like it's even it's even worse than saying oh that was bad, <laughs> right? right? Like yeah, I completely <laughs> agree. I've got no opinion on it. It was it was mid. It was mid. Um, 
I don't know, have more opinions on art, I guess. I will say, for those of you going to see Madam Web, I have confirmed no post credit scene. Don't stick around. Go to your car. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. That's good to know. I uh, always look, because I have to know. Yeah. Can I go pee? It's embarrassing to sit in a theater until the end credits and uh, a guy's you know, picking up around you, and you're just in the way. Well, <laughs> and, then, to, and then there's nothing. I have to know who the key grips are, Mike. <laughs> right. Yeah. Who did they thank? Who, who's mixing the sound? <laughs> uh, so, Madam Web, one thing I'm learning this week is that it's set in 2003. Oh, okay. Which I didn't know. I didn't know that either. And I think that time is supposed to line up with other MCU movies. Okay. Because they've got a Ben Parker character in this that uh-huh. you you could be led to believe is the Tom Holland Spider-Man's dad. Interesting. So if this is set in 2003 okay. and maybe he just got his wife pregnant, yeah. that would make Spider-Man about 20 years old sure. around the next time a Spider-Man movie comes out. And if... Tom Holland's supposed to be graduating high school. Yeah. Then timing kind of adds up. Yeah. So you've even got Sony trying to like confuse you more and be more tied to this thing that they're like kind of sort of not, but not necessarily yeah. a part of. Uh, um, but another thing with the reviews is that it, people are saying it feels like a 2003 superhero movie. Sure. Which is kind of, a knock, but at the same time, I'm hearing people say it's kind of fun. Yeah. It was almost like a nostalgic, like so goofbally, and it's it's of its own genre. Yeah, like because <laughs> oh look, look, I will defend. I'm pretty sure it came out in 2004. I'm not gonna double check because it doesn't matter that much. Yeah, that Thomas Jane Punisher movie slaps. Oh yeah, <laughs> I fucking love that movie. Uh, so does the Ray Stevenson one, Punisher Warzone. Pretty sure that came out in 2008. But if Madam Web is like those, I'm in. Sure. Like, <laughs> we'll I won't see. apologize for my opinions. We'll see. I'll go see it this weekend, and then we'll have some takes on it next time. Maybe on the Patreon. A good a time as any to promote our Patreon. If you can't get enough First Issue Club, move on over there for an extra episode a week. And every once in a while, we write articles and upload videos of more stuff so and have talks with our patreon members yeah that's right we've got a discord too that um do you have to be a patreon member to be in the discord no it's open for everybody so just ping i think ping us on social if you want an invite to the discord yeah we'll chat we'll have ongoing conversations there okay let's get into the individual mcu announcements as you're finding if you're a first-time listener i am long-winded Take it or leave it. Maybe that's part of the essence of hosting a podcast. You just got to keep talking. That's the whole idea. I introduced the idea of talking about these things 15 minutes ago, and we're just getting to them now. Perfect. Okay. We talked about the Deadpool trailer dropping. Yeah. What are your impressions of the Deadpool trailer? Are there things in it that you didn't know about but are now like excited for? Yeah. Um, big big things the tva is is kidnapping deadpool so that's the biggest part of it for me that i was like whoa this seems like it's gonna be a slapstick r-rated loki yeah 
right? Like yes. Loki was the the Marvel like heavy whatever. This is just going to be like the same thing but goofbally. I think a great chance for them to skip around different Marvel stuff too. Yeah. So there's I think there's going to be a lot of cameos and a lot of uh jokes at the expense of the rest of the MCU. Yeah. Knowing like the Deadpool movies being the fourth wall breaking thing. Yeah. I think acknowledging that the other movies exist and then kind of, I mean, trashing on them has been very in trend lately. Yeah. So I think it's, it'll take some heavy hits at the the rest of the MCU. Yeah. And I'm very excited about that because yeah. if there's a place to do it, obviously. I think, yeah, love it or hate it, you'll yeah. have fun with this. I think it's probably done in a, in a loving way. Yeah. Um, obviously getting the yellow suit Wolverine is pretty cool. Yep. But patch mm-hmm. showing up or at least a nod to patch. Yep. The white suit, uh, the rumor ch- churning around the internet is that that's actually Daniel Radcliffe, mm. not Hugh Jackman. So that's we, cool. M- we might be getting alternate versions of Wolverine. I love that. Played by alternate actors. These are the things that I think are really fun that the Marvel has realized people like is when there's fan castings of stuff like uh, they lean into it and they lean into it and just like, well, here's like a fun throwaway thing we can do with Mr. Fantastic. Yeah. Let's make John Krasinski Mr. Fantastic. And then immediately kill him. (laughs) Because it's been a thing on Twitter for years. So it's like at least, you know, even though it might never work out with his schedule or with what he wants to do. We can at least make a nod to to fans that way and yeah. get this guy in and off set in a week. Yep. Um, what was the other th- uh, the the comic book cameo that was in the trailer? Yes, we talked about this a little bit on the Patreon. One of the Secret Wars issues from Jonathan Hickman. Yep. Which was a two thousand eight fifteen. Yeah. That recently. Yeah, buddy. Weird. That was still almost ten years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, but the, the specific issue is all about the creation of Battleworld. Yeah. Which I think is why people are like, does this, le- does know, the Deadpool movie lead to Secret Wars? Or is it the beginning? Is it the foundation? Yeah. You know, like, are they laying this? Because there's also that confirmed now scene of Deadpool and Wolverine fighting in front of the 20th Century Fox logo. <laughs> right? Like Planet yeah. of the Apes. So is this some kind of a multiverse where whatever that that yeah exists in reality you know uh does deadpool end up killing deadpool that's another rumor that i've seen is that this is an adaptation of that yeah deadpool has to go through the multiverse and kill versions of himself (laughs) with wolverine which i think would be a blast because deadpool screws up the multiverse yeah. in every multiverse yeah exactly <laughs> and he's got to just murder so he's got to take care of himself yeah yeah that's funny uh, uh yeah i think this movie's going to do something that i i think i think we're at a crux in or at an interesting turning point in in movie fandom with the uh, cameos and cameo fatigue and stunt casting yeah and then the same thing with the really complex multiversal here are the people who played uh the fantastic four in the old fantastic four movie so we're bringing in jessica alba for a second yeah like it's simultaneously fun 
And then simultaneously, there's a camp that's like, this is cheap. This is uncreative. Yeah. So I'll the thing that bugs me, and I know this is a comic book podcast, and this is a little Patreon-y, but I have to say, okay. the thing that bugs me about that stuff is that in 15 years when people watch those movies, they're not going to get it. Yeah. Like, in that... in Our generation has particular nostalgia for these things. Yeah. yeah. It, it was especially egregious watching the last Spider-Man movie yeah. at home when, like, Andrew Garfield comes through that portal. Which is a Spider-Man series that a lot of people just missed completely. Well, he shows up, and then there's, like, clearly a pause for, like... Up, the audience applause. moment yeah to be like, <gasps> yeah and like but it's just the movie kind of stopping for like 15 seconds <laughs> right yeah before continuing uh-huh. and that's the stuff where people are going to be like that was really weird yeah why did that happen yeah so yeah to your point if jessica alba shows up in the new fantastic four movie i will probably be like whoa yeah cool. and of course everybody will but then again like five ten years down the road people are going to be like that scene was weird. Why did they stop and like yeah. shake hands with that woman on the street or yep. whatever? There were so many rumors that uh what's his face? The guy who plays Captain America. Chris Evans. Chris Evans was gonna show up as his Fantastic Four character. He played oh, Johnny yeah. Storm in like the early aughts. Yeah. And that that rumor was so rampant for both I think the Spider-Man movie and um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness yeah. and didn't happen. I'm wondering if that's going to pick up again for Deadpool. If people maybe. were like, maybe he filmed that, this. He Maybe he, the rumors were true and he filmed this scene, but it was just for this other movie that's been taking a long time in production. Deadpool would certainly be the place to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where you can really have a laugh out of it. Exactly. I, I think this is the a good movie to do that sort of thing because yeah. it's a comedy. Yeah, exactly. Right. I it's I think these things are getting a little tougher in self serious movies, but when you're poking fun at like cameo fatigue, yeah, it, they might even make a joke about cameo fatigue in the movie while having tons of cameos. Yeah. Like I could see that being like very funny and entertaining. That's the place to do it. Yeah. it. What would bug me is if they do it in the Fantastic Four movie. Right. Yeah. Right. Because. I am absolutely, and I think you'll agree with me, I am in love with that announcement picture that they did of the Fantastic Four. Let's switch gears and and focus on that specifically. Uh, This week, Marvel announced the casting, the official casting for the new Fantastic Four movie. Yep. Uh, Headlining that casting, sorry, excuse me, is Pedro Pascal as Mr. Fantastic. Great. Great casting. The promo picture they released for it looked like a sitcom movie poster. Yeah, from or, like, but like done in like art pop. Yeah, s- sort of style, or like a Jack Kirby pinup. Yeah, in, in the middle of a Fantastic Four issue. Yeah, certainly. That was the or vibe they're like that hanging out in a living room. Yeah, uh, it's rumored to be set in 1960, which I love. I love that idea. Well, and I think that's a thing that seems so crucial to Fantastic Four to me is like the time frame. Yes. And I've always loved like the classic stories, but they've never felt quite right in all the modern like interpretations. 
of yeah. Fantastic Four, and maybe that's just like as a that a hyper specific thing for comic book fans who look at them as like the first family of Marvel. They got going before Spider Man, yeah. and a lot of the OG storylines and weird spin off villains and characters first appeared in Fantastic Four series. There's so much iconic Jack Kirby art in those books and so much like universe setting with Galactus and Silver Surfer yeah. and the Watcher that I don't know. It's it just seems like a vintage classic. It should be a period piece. Yeah, it would be cool. But you wonder, you know, you cast all these people in something set in the 60s. Uh, the all these movies get crossed over with each other and that's like Marvel's uh, bread and butter is saying, well, check it out when we throw these characters in with these characters. Yeah. Can you do it with characters that are in a period piece? You're going to have to do like time travel or something. I think you could make it work. Yeah. I mean. I mean, I, yeah. If a guy is able to it was, stretch his eyeballs across the room. Okay. He lives <laughs> a little bit longer. It was, <laughs> it was really obvious how they were going to do it. In the Captain America movie, if you're yeah. a comic book reader, but in this Fantastic Four one, I just don't feel like there's like a no brainer like yeah oh they'll bring it into the like modern era by the end of the movie sort of route there unless think... they go off planet fighting Galactus or something for a while oh and then come and yeah. don't age and then come back. I think it would be very cool if they did the movies like they did with those X Men reboots mm -hmm. where it's like. Oh, the first one takes place in the 60s. The second one takes place in the 70s. The yeah. third one takes place in the 80s. Are the are the Fantastic Four ever referenced in any of the other Marvel movies? I want to say that there's like... Are they ever like... Not to mention that big rock guy I keep seeing. <laughs> I don't think it's that obligatory. Uh -huh. But I, I want to say that there was like... You know, the Baxter building shows up in a movie or yeah. something you know like one of those kind yeah. of throwaway things yeah i don't think other than obviously dr strange they got name dropped because fox owned, owned the rights still yeah so that makes it a little more complicated what about this fantastic four set in the 60s yeah it's its own separate universe because of the because of secret war that Fantastic Four and that Doctor Doom they get pulled get pulled into Battle World, and then once Battle World and Secret Wars are said and done, everybody's on the same timeline, and that brings the Fantastic Four into Six One Six. I love it. Cut print problem solved. S sell it. <laughs> That's a great idea, Mike. Man, what a nerdy uh, little little. Well, because then because then you could even ha you could even do like. Oh, this was this was this second and third and fourth movie happened before they went to Battle World. Right, yeah. So don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, did you watch the X Men ninety seven trailer? Yeah, man, it fucking rips. They yeah, used the theme cool. song. It was cool. <laughs> that theme song's so good. <laughs> it, it's <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah, I I decided long ago that that theme song and the Power Rangers theme song are the reasons so many of our generation like heavy metal. Oh yeah. Right? Like Yeah, sure. You listen to that X-Men theme song twice a week uh -huh. when those shows are on and of course <laughs> yeah. yeah, it picking up speed doing yeah. like the octaves. 
is like really tight. Of course, you're gonna love a, it. It's such a cool riff. <laughs> <laughs> Coco Power Rangers. I never thought. I never associated that with metal, but like, yeah, you're but totally right. right. It's heavy guitars and stuff. It totally is. Same thing. Wasn't Dragon Ball Z's theme song kind of metal? Ah, uh, Dragon, Dragon. Rock the dragon. Dragon Ball Z. I don't remember the lyrics. I yeah. can't remember the music, though. I want to say it was more like... I feel like it shredded. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe it did. Yeah, we'll listen to it after this. Hell yeah. <laughs> We're going to watch some DBZ. We'll wake up everybody in the neighborhood. We'll blast it. <laughs> on, some, uh, on some big speakers. Yeah, it looks cool. They're picking up where the original cartoon led off, which I, I didn't remember where it led off, but apparently it was Professor X passing away. Oh, okay. Yeah, that does not <laughs> ring a bell. But the the crazy thing is they got really heavy with that cartoon oh. and started oh, yeah. to do like way more serious storylines and more serious tone with it. Like they did the whole Dark Phoenix thing. That's the best adaptation of that comic it's, line in media. Isn't that wild? <laughs> they did that in a cartoon. It's yeah. like supposed to be a kid show and it's like super dark. Um, but it got really serious and had like less yucks and throwaway fun lines in it. Um, and I think X-Men 97 is going to cater to that crowd. It does a lot of things animation wise that like if you look closely at it, you can tell it's like done with a computer, but in the style yeah. of animated cell graphics. And they're really clever with how they time like the motion between things. Like it seems like they've purposefully cut a frame rate. So it has a little of that vibe. Yeah. Of, so it doesn't classic. look like the 60 FPS. It looks like yeah. the 30. Yeah. It looks like, you know, nineties animation style, which yeah. is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited about, it. I think it's obviously geared toward people our generation our age, yep. as opposed to like young kids, but yep. that'll be, that'll be a cool thing that like, people our age that are parents yeah. can watch with their kids and yes. like relive that experience. One of the things that I thought was funny was I where they were able, I believe they kept the original voice cast. They did. Which is so cool. Yeah. At the same time, I'm like Storm looks like or Storm sounds like an old woman kind of. <laughs> <laughs> And Storm's one of my ex crushes, so oh, it's, sure. it's weird that she sounds like a, a grandma. Yeah. Well, maybe they'll give her the mohawk. Yep. And that would be right. That would make up for it. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Sure. She can have <laughs> she, a gravelly voice if she's if got a she mohawk. She looks a little yeah. like. <laughs> they'll have her start chain smoking. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Uh, <laughs> that's really all I have to say about that. It's just kind of like interesting to see it back again, and I like yeah. that they kept the art style kind of true too. Yep. what it looked like back then and it's it's always rad to hear that song again yep. get you in your feels all right uh i wanted to talk about the midnight suns movie that's rumored to be directed by the guy i don't have his name handy but the guy who directed the werewolf by night short on uh disney plus oh no kidding okay so that was a very cool thing that was done in black and white and then got subsequently released in color yeah uh, this past year, uh-huh. like two or three years after the fact. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to kind of speculate with you who might be cast in this, like what existing MCU characters, because obviously Midnight Suns is going to be a crossover. It's like a team yeah, sort of comic. In that team, you've always kind of had your evil 
dark. Well, the, they're supernatural slanted. Supernatural, yeah. yeah, sort of characters that feel like demonic or edgy. Yeah. Um, and so we're probably going to play mostly with existing characters you've yeah. known coming together, and then there will probably be a couple new characters as well. Yeah. I think the easy headline is my boy, Moon Knight. Moon Knight seems like an obvious. You have Oscar Isaac come back. Yeah. To lead it. That's a big name you can yep. have. And then you can kind of cast unknown people, you know, yep. um, Ghost Riders typically associated, Blade. Be- yeah, Blade's a must, I think, for this. Yeah. I think they probably might have even said, hey, what's a fun team up movie we can do that's not Avengers because people are worn out on Avengers. Yeah. And they probably were like, well, Midnight Suns is one that we can pull some people in. Yeah. That might be the reason why Blade even got a movie in the first place. Well, and was towards the end goal of Midnight Suns. Yeah, with with the Blade movie running into the problems it's run into. I don't know much about that. The writer and director, I believe, both quit. Oh, wow. Over and Mahershala Ali, who is cast as Blade, yeah, um, is apparently not like super happy with that movie either. Oh no. So. That but that would give them an opportunity to introduce Blade, yeah, and give them time to correct that ship, sure, as it were, right? Let's let's get Blade in. Let's get the Blade machine fired up, yeah, so people are excited about it. Um, Because that is the issue is not people being excited about Mahershala Ali's Blade. Like I'm jazzed about that casting, yeah. Uh. The issue is that the movie is like apparently not good or something. Who knows? Yeah. Um. So yeah, those kind of three uh, cast somebody young as Ghost Rider. Yep. Kind of easy. Uh, this might be a hot take, but I would actually love to see Iron Fist show back up. Oh. And I think this would be a cool place to do it. Okay. Um, I think that Luke Cage did well enough yeah that luke cage doesn't need like a comeback yeah like iron fist does okay but i think the ending of the second season of iron fist showed so much promise yeah that you bring him and like colleen wang or colleen wing back yeah the i i ultimately where iron fist left off colleen wing had gained the powers of the iron fist yeah and I think a lot of that was Marvel trying to adjust the ship of criticism that they cast a white guy to be Iron Fist. You could say Iron Fist is a white guy in the comic books and in the source material. And it's like, yeah, but a bunch of white guys created Iron Fist Yeah, in, you know, the early 70s or whenever it was created. Like, we could probably right the ship a little now <laughs> and again cast an asian guy to play the kung fu uh master Ma- yeah <laughs> yeah so they they worked into the storyline finding a way to to turn colleen into that character and then unfortunately that netflix stuff uh shut down which is so unfortunate because they were getting into the orson randall stuff mm-hmm. which is some of my absolute favorite comic book reading yeah that ed brubaker and uh, matt fraction run yep um and it was that series that maybe i had introduced typhoid mary who is a character i really love 
And so I was excited to see more of that character. And I think they kind of ended that pretty quick because it was just a TV show for a little bit and didn't know what they were going to be able to do with it later. Yeah. But I think that would be a cool way to bring those characters back. Sure. Because again, the power, Iron Fist gets his powers by punching a dragon in the heart. Yeah. So like, you can have him punch a vampire in the face. Yeah. You know. All right. Do we think since our werewolf by night director, who is rumored to be directing this movie, is going to bring in those characters back? We've got oh, Elsa Bloodstone, yeah. the titular werewolf by night, uh-huh. and Man-Thing. I, All characters that completely make sense totally. in the tone of Midnight Suns. Totally. Um, Man Thing would be very cool. Man Thing would be extremely cool and would fit because he and Blade have recently like they kind of team up. Yeah. Uh, so that that would be an easy fit mm-hmm. both canonically and like you know tonally. And obviously, there's there's been a lot of like Swamp Thing media in the past, but yeah. I think Marvel beating DC in doing their like big Swamp Beast creature. Could be, a, I guess, in like modern movies, could be a big thing to be like, we got ours out first. I mean, I mean Marvel will have to churn it out because James Gunn's going to make a Swamp Thing movie. That's in, what I hear. In the next 10 years. So, so I think, and I think this, uh, this Marvel movie is going to come out in the next 10 years yeah. too. So we'll, we'll see who, who gets there first. There might be a rush to be beat, a lot of fun. Beat Man Thing with a uh, Swamp Thing. True. It's going to be one of those weird. Um, parody things that you always get in like bar trivia. Yeah. That it was like, what were the two magician movies that came out at the same time in this year? And yeah. it was like the, the Prestige and then, uh, oh. Yeah, the other one. I can't remember the other one. I know. Because the Prestige was a good one. Yeah. There was Tawang Fu and Priscilla Queen of the Desert. I think oh, both yeah. came out the same summer. Um, Armageddon. Or, Deep Impact. And Deep Impact had maybe happened around the same time. Dante's Peak and Volcano. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> There's so many of them yeah. where it's just like, ah, oh, we could have just edged them out by a week. Yeah. Ours would be the movie to go see. <laughs> the Prestige was great. That was the... that was It's a Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah. That was one of the first Christopher Nolan movies I remember being like, who is this director? This was like so good. Um, Maybe that's heresy. Or he's got some. I'm sure he's got a huge movie before the Prestige. That's well, uh, big, I but I went to school for media, so all of my people were like, "Uh, you haven't seen Memento?" Oh, Memento! I forget that that was him. Yeah, yeah. Next time somebody does that to you, just be like, "Uh, you haven't seen The Duel?" <laughs> oh, even earlier yeah. one. Okay. <laughs> it was literally his first movie. All right. Yeah. So he didn't do too many before. Memento. Before Memento, no, I think he like literally did like a student film and then okay. the duel and then and then Memento. Memento. Yeah. Okay, great. Certainly his breakout. Yes. Do you have any more news? Um, what else do I have? Oh, I thought I, you had one more. One more news item or not? I've got a lot of more news. No, I've only okay. got two things I want to mention. I'll and I'll mention them quick. Okay. There's a new Thundercat character in issue two. If you're a late 70s, early 80s baby, then you know the you know and love the Thundercats. And there is a character called Kalika, who is a calico cat. 
another sexy lady. And yes, Declan Shalvey, who's writing this comic, is a writer we love, uh, is trying to put more women into the comic because obviously 80s comic or sorry yeah 80s animated show all like muscle men guys and then like one throwaway woman character Uh so they need to get more women into it they started the first issue um classic team classic setup i feel like that's a part of like maybe finding the a, a good way to ease into it and maybe appeasing fans that you know there's a lot of toxic fandom and nerddom yeah and we can be very uh, I won't. I won't say we maybe because I don't want to put myself into this crowd because I'm very receptive to change and representation. But there are people who see these things and say that's not the original thing I fell in love with. I don't like it. And we chastise Greg for that every time he says it. <laughs> exactly right, Greg, who uh, has been oddly quiet this episode. Uh, is, is is kind of protesting us because uh, he doesn't like our. Uh, uber liberal takes on things because <laughs> he only likes the male thundercats yeah exactly right so screw you greg <laughs> keep pouting in your corner we'll keep doing the show just mute your mic uh so i fun uh first appearance to maybe pick up if you're a collector of things like that yep. and i thought just really rad to take a well-loved property and try to find a way to like Still appease fans and and uh, introduce better representation into the book. For sure. Even though we're talking about cartoon cat people. Um, the sexiest kind of people. Yes. And then Paul Neary passed away. Who, oh, no kidding. Yeah. Uh, I want to say he was in his like mid to early 70s. Yeah. Which is younger than I thought. Because um, he's been in comics for so, so long. Yeah. Uh, illustrator, kind of put more of his stamp on Marvel when he became the editor of the UK office yeah. and did a lot of big stuff like being, bringing Captain Britain Britain back into like the modern age of comics or yeah. copper age, however you want to say it. And then um, making Excalibur and all those other tie-in books yeah. to the X-Men and... Uh, well, Otherworld and all that stuff, like really big eighties comics. Yeah, he well, he really differentiated like the UK comics market mm-hmm. from just importing the US books. Right. Like ex- totally. Just had their own uh superhero market that was still had a slice of the in the Marvel universe. Yeah. That's so, tragic to hear. Unfortunate. Yeah, it's yeah, sad. That I think just happened a couple of days ago as of this recording anyway. Um check out some of his uh art too. He was a prolific artist before yeah. uh he became editor, did some amazing fantastic uh sorry, not fantastic for Captain America stuff. Mm-hmm. Um was uh an inker on like tons of comics. And then the thing that I love is that he started doing horror comics yeah. before he made his way to Marvel. So yeah. he was on all those like old when you see old things like Eerie. Yeah. His 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 art's all up in those anthology horror type books. Yeah. Through a handful of titles. So uh Paul Neary will be missed. Legend in the in the comic book industry and it's um a weird time I think to live in as fans because 
we're of an age now where like the people who started comics and yeah. made these things huge in the time that uh superhero comics really found themselves are all getting into their 70s, 80s, 90s at this point. So yeah. you're you're just we're losing so many titans of the industry who um not only made a big talent impact but are associated with so many foundational things with comic books that it's just uh it's tough to see them all go in in succession like yeah. this. Yep. We need to uh I mean that's part of the reason we do this. Yep. is to honor and appreciate the art that we have in front of us yeah. while it's new and fresh. That's right. And speaking of new and fresh, huh? What'd you read? I read a little comic called The Displaced. Okay. By Ed Brisson. This, oh yeah. Love this Ed was Brisson. a big uh boom release this month. Okay. Um it is about a city in Ontario called Oshawa, which has 166,000 people living in it. Sure. And the town falls into a sinkhole. And the people who are trying to get their way in or lived there but just happened to be outside of it are kind of being held in like a you know, community hall, like triage center yeah. where they're just like making sure people are okay, getting their story before – they let them go back to their lives or stay with loved ones. And in that group, some of those people connect with each other. And because they're so close to the event, they remember it happening. But then, mysteriously, the sinkhole is gone. The town that was several miles away is now all of a sudden butted up against the next town. Oh. And everyone starts to forget Oshawa, Ontario ever existed interesting so cool concept cool sci-fi concept for not sci-fi i guess cool fantasy comic it felt like it had the vibes it both it had the vibes of a sci-fi book but it did it did that cool thing that you like where it's like here are a bunch of individuals uh who have interesting things going on in their lives and here's enough to make you care about them and get to know them as people and then it thrusts them all together through this like weird shared experience. Yeah. And then we're going to see what happens um, when they're left with this knowledge that no one else really has. Uh, there is an old man in the mix who is like, I saw this happen with, you know, McGillicuddy, Texas. And everyone's like, what's McGillicuddy, Texas? And he's like, exactly. <laughs> Okay. Only I remember. So he's got a pulse. So he's found himself at several of these cities before we're led to believe. And so he maybe knows how, like, these things to, like, predict these things. Yeah. And he's trying to, like, go and put a stop to this stuff. Um, Ed Brisson is an incredible writer. So. Yeah. Um, Top tier. Uh, I, he, he tells really good, like, dialed into real life yeah. stories. And he also tells really great sci-fi, larger-than-life fantasy type books as well. And this one feels like delightfully in the middle. Yeah, like it's got like the big otherworldly thing, and it's still got like I said a lot of human connection and character introduction that feels like great. You could have taken any one of these characters and 
base the comic just around them, and I would have been super intrigued. So awesome. f- it's going to be fun to see how they all build relationships together and and all that stuff. So yeah, Ed Brisson's uh, like character development is second to none. Right, he's so good at that. Yeah, awesome. Other than that, uh, I've been catching up on my last comic shipment, and I started reading uh, Jackpot. Oh yeah, which is a gang war event tie-in at at Marvel uh, where we've got Mary Jane Watson, the one-time wife of Peter Parker, Spider-Man, finding herself with superpowers. So she's decked out in her own superhero costume and has kind of been gallivanting around and trying to find her place with these newfound powers. And now she's like kind of made it official and is trying to like have a go or an outing at it. Cool. With like now I've got my full time, full on outfit, and yeah. I'm dressing the part, and I'm going to try to actually help out during a during the chaos. Um, she's also got her husband, who's a character that got introduced to Amazing Spider-Man recently uh, by Zeb Wells, and he's kind of like her man in the chair. Oh, okay. So he's like in the earpiece. He he's work, her oracle. He works on her tech. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool. So should be fun. I'm just interested to see if the jackpot thing sticks around. I think the name jackpot is cute and fun. Yeah. Because it's a throwback to the first appearance of Mary Jane where she says that famous line, if you're a comic book fan, you know it anyway. Uh, face it, Tiger. You just hit the jackpot. Yeah. Referring to herself having a chance to date her. Uh, so <laughs> Should have named herself Tiger. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, jackpot, fun character name for her and her superpower is like random chance things. So yeah. it's like, does she get lucky or not? Does she hit the jackpot on whatever her random power of the moment is? So one second she might have like a freeze ray and the other second she's going to be like controlling plants around her. That's wild. Like just a tour through all the typical superpowers and things like that. Yeah. Um, which I think I think it's not only kind of fun conceptually, but it's it's probably more fun even like visually. Yeah. Just that like what a challenge for the artist of each book to be like, OK, I got good at drawing crazy ice beams <laughs> Now I got to do a shit ton of foliage on the next panel for this. Like, it's just a tour de force of big action sequences. Yeah. Classic comic book stuff. Yeah. How about it? Yeah. Cool. Bigger and better and uncut. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that's that's what I have to offer uh, this week. Uh, A lot of indies. Yeah. This week. Oh, can I shout some out before we get going? Yeah. You've fire got, them off. You've got uh, Blue Book on your stack over there, which yep. is a fun uh, alien comic book. Yeah. But is it a re- it's a return to an existing series, right? It, it's like a, a restart. So the first Blue Book series told the story of like almost literally the first alien encounter in U.S. history. That's right? been, yeah, documented. And that was its... Full story, start, finish, whatever. This is the same thing. This yeah. is Blue Book 1947. It's just another self-contained, yep. probably six-issue series of an alien encounter. 
I love it. I love alien stuff, but I'm also simultaneously terrified of aliens. Dude, same. And I love that these comics are like written like historical accounts. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Like it makes them so much more palatable for me. And yeah. and I think the fact that they're in comic book form, but they're, you know, supposedly true stories yeah. of they, of encounters. They hit the sweet spot between like being a fun, entertaining story and also being horrifying yeah totally (laughs) all right so image had a ton of books um the cabinet i Uh think was a was an image book the infernals are you gonna cover that today too i got it right here all right right on there's a lot of hype surrounding that book um displaced which i already mentioned if you find this i'm already dead is a matt kent book oh yeah out on dark horse i think is flux house imprint um he writes amazing comics and typically we'd cover those it was just like an $8 book because it was larger format. Yeah. So I, I didn't get it today. Um, a, a big a big one, which like, I don't know, uh, Penthouse Comics. Oh, yeah. Is, I did not get that. Is back. I think. I was ex- fully expecting Greg to come locked and loaded with that. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess that's a thing they used to do. Yep. And they're bringing it back now. I'm interested to get a copy of it just for the articles. <laughs> well, just cause I'm curious, like, is it like porn or is it just like sci-fi fantasy stuff? Like heavy metal. I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't know what the old penthouse. That's why I wanted Greg like. to come locked and loaded with yeah. a copy of penthouse. We'll make Greg do this for us. So we don't have to walk in and buy penthouse. <laughs> Uh, but there was like a shit ton of covers from some artists that I really liked. So it can't be given the, the talent that I saw associated with it. Yeah. I would assume it's something that handles femininity and sexuality. Well, if at all, if at all. Yeah. Right. I, I think it's like a kind of sex. I'm assuming moving forward, it's treated as like, a sex positive thing. Sure. Otherwise the creators I saw would probably want nothing to do with it. Sure. Yep. That's my assumption. Probably okay. a little classier than hustler comics too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> Those I wouldn't question, but I would just not buy them. Yeah. Definitely Hust- on Xenos. Hustler makes it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Perfect <laughs> publisher for this. Uh, and then Marvel has night thrasher. DC has Sinister Sons. Those were kind of the biggest couple. There you go. Those were kind of the biggest couple books on Marvel and DC. Uh, otherwise, really independent heavy week for first issues. Yep. Which I think if you're onboarding yourself, independents are a, a great way to start. So check one of those out. For sure. Uh, well, you shouted out the two books that I brought to the club were three. Right on. We talked about Blue Book. It's James Tinian and uh, Mike Omeg. You can't go wrong uh, if you're into alien stuff or I would even say if you're a true crime fan. Oh, okay. I think this would appeal, right? Because it's got that true crime vibe. The first series certainly did. Yeah. And this is the same way. Is this it? Is, this is another, you know, guy's is... in a plane and he sees a weird thing and it takes over and ruins his life. Like, that's the story of every Ooh. alien encounter. Ooh. Um. Have I told you my friend's alien story? Yes. I think we on did the this deck. on the Patreon. Yeah. 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 Super spooky. Yeah. Um, 
but if yeah, I I would say for sure check this out because this is like top tier talent book. It's just a great story. And the fun thing about Blue Book 2, they brought this back. The the back of every issue is like a four or five page like backup story yeah. that's unrelated to aliens. It's just like a spooky, like a folk horror kind yeah. of uh you know, monster in the woods that you might tell like around a campfire or yeah. like that would be associated with your local state park, uh-huh. which I I love. I yeah. love that stuff. This Blue Book is made to hold you over while Department of Truth is on break. And bring Department of Truth back. <laughs> I'm going to be yelling at both James Tinian and Martin Simmons about that yeah. at C2E2. I wonder if they're working on a movie or a TV show or something together. I don't know. It's supposed to be coming back. Like, it's not I hope it's. I, yeah, I hope so. it comes back. Uh all right, so the books we haven't talked about yet. Mike talked about The Infernals. Yeah, I'm really interested in hearing Brought that here. Take. So this book is about a family and the patriarch. Of, okay, so this is su- succession, but Ooh. they're taking over for the Antichrist. Okay. The, the patriarch of the family is the son of the devil. Okay. And his offspring his kids yep have to take over his criminal empire to bring about the apocalypse because he is dying of cancer okay and each one of them has a special like demon power and they they all like the 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 dad's right hand man is like uh-huh. a goat-headed demon <laughs> that like talks to him yeah um just a, a super interesting, super fun book. Yeah. Uh, seeing all these kind of like shithead people be shitheads to everyone around them and each other. Yeah. Is, you know, that's the format of TV that people kind of enjoy. Yep. And seeing that translated into them being literal yeah. sons of the and daughters of the devil is very interesting. Um, if you don't want this spoiled, skip ahead. But... The last couple pages give you the antagonist. Okay. Or the opposition, I'll yeah. say. Um, so the the family's in charge of this criminal empire, right? Uh-huh. And the in throughout the story, the the dad rejects injecting technology into their their uh, empire, right? Okay. The last couple pages, this guy's talking about he's vaping, he's got the haircut, he's like a tech bro, right? Uh-huh. And he's talking to this board of directors in New York City about we're going to modernize and you need to help us spread the message, right? And then you flip the page and he's talking to a board of biblically accurate angels. Okay, wow, yeah. So presumably you're going to have a company or business uh-huh. that is angelic or heavenly yeah. backed uh-huh. versus this family who's like a crime family mob like, yeah, parallel yeah paralleled with the devil so well and the funny thing is is we look at like big tech and billionaires now like they're just as evil as a crime family so it'll yeah. be it'll be interesting to see what angle the the comic takes yeah it will be and i'm i'm very excited about this i this is the one of the first issues that i've read that's like i can tell that i'm in for the long haul yeah with this book i'll say i really was raised catholic um really love demon and possession stuff that plays with 
religion and all those symbols. Yeah. Um, I love the show Evil, which is like a kind of like, is it, it's like an investigation CSI type show yeah. where they try to figure out like, oh, was this an actual possession or do we find like the, you know, voice modifier technology in the bed and somehow they pulled off this like crazy tech uh, heist thing. Yeah. Um, I kind of need my biblical stuff like that to ease me in or I need it to be like, oh, is this stuff true? Are demons real? And play that line. I think that the Infernals, the concept of it is harder to sell because it cannonballs into just like, there's the devil and he's got a whole family and their crime family and God runs uh, (laughs) Tesla and... (laughs) And one of his angels is Elon Musk type, and they're trying to do business above board while the crime family's trying to do it below board. Like, that's just, it reads as shark jumpy okay, in, in, sure. a, in a synopsis, yeah. right? Yeah. But I think you read the comic, and it's probably a lot cooler than that. Yeah. I, I think it's just one of those things where the synopsis does, maybe doesn't do the comic justice because so much is fucking happening or so many ideas are introduced in like one first issue. Well, yeah, especially you know talking about it on a podcast yeah. that does not do it justice. Right. Um but the the characters are all extremely believable. They they're even the goat-headed demon that you spend a lot of time with yeah. is like speaks colloquially and uh-huh. is like clearly meant to be like the Alfred to the okay. Antichrist's Batman. You yeah. know, he's a helper guy. He doesn't really get involved, but he's more of just like a guide, that kind of thing, yep. right? Um, it never felt like it had a sense of, like, weight. Yeah. It it didn't feel like it was trying to too make a Too many ideas, too many things, yeah. yeah. So it, it's definitely one worth checking out, I, I would okay. say for sure. And it's on image, so the first issue isn't like twenty five dollars. Yep, three ninety nine. Uh, it's certainly worth putting four bucks toward to see if you like it. Yep, no ads. Uh, I don't know if there are ads. I mean, maybe it would. I kind of don't pay attention. To Typically, that. aren't in image comics. There aren't. So you get more bang for your buck. There you go. Anyway, that's the Infernals. Good stuff. Uh, <laughs> the other book I read was Sinister Sons. Yep. out on DC. I was a huge fan of Super Sons. Yep. So this was an instant purchase for me. Super Sons is a pairing of Damian Wayne and John Kent. Yes. Batman and, and Superman's Sons. kids. Yep. Uh I had to get this cover because it cracked me up. So it's an acetate cover of what looks like a guy in a trench coat. Yep. Like Sidney Dodds the Sandman or whatever. Uh-huh. And then you flip it open. And it's two kids in a trench coat. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Cracks me up. So anyway, Sinister Sons is uh, the story of confirmed Zod's kid, General Zod, the Superman oh, villain. Oh, okay. Um, but the he, he is trying to find a planet to take over. Okay. And he runs into the planet of uh, Sinson. <laughs> I think that's the kid's name. Uh-huh. who believes that Sinestro is his father. 
Okay. But that he is trying to prove it. So he's got this little club of all his friends called the the Sinister Crew or Sin, uh-huh. the Sin, Sin Sun Core, you know, Sinister Core, whatever. Um, and his plan is to build a ship to get off planet so that he can find Sinestro, get some of his blood, and prove that Sinestro is his father, that he's worthy of being you know, a yellow lantern. Okay. That's what he wants to do. Got it. So... These two are going to butt heads because uh, uh, Zod's kid wants to take over the planet and Sinestro's kid wants to leave the planet. Okay. And they're going to end up presumably teaming up because Sinestro's kid steals Zod's kid's rocket to get off the planet when he when he lands. So. All right. Very fun. Very lighthearted. Um I would say that I, you need to be. I think you need to be into DC lore, a little bit. Yeah, but I could also That's see... that's a lot of nods to like kind of. I don't know. Not not the most obscure characters, but characters you got to be a comic book fan to be aware of. I yeah, I would say that's fair. Um, but I could also see, uh, kids who want to just see like read books about other kids like goofing off so did this read kind of like a family friendly yeah comic? i mean same way same way super sons did okay, okay you know it's it's a normal comic book it was not you know huge font and five words per balloon yeah but yeah it was lighthearted. it's kind of kids being kids okay um they think they're like bigger they're they're Pants are too small. They're they're yep. you know they're too big for their britches. Their britches. Yeah. yeah, that's the whole like vibe you get from both their of them. Pants are too. Small. Thank you. Yeah, I couldn't think of the phrase. Their pants are too small. You know. <laughs> so it it was a very fun book. If you yeah. like Peter J. Tomasi, um, yeah, he's great. This is a, an easy buy. Uh, I think it's probably going to end up being a limited. Yeah. Um, it doesn't seem like it has a lot of like ongoing potential but right it's very fun very fun book the back of the acetate cover is just clear yep that's funny and again dc is doing that thing where you get the regular cover inside of the yeah that's kind of cool the variant so mm-hmm. this actually has three covers <laughs> so funny yeah the acetate. acetate one the joke of the acetate and then the regular and then the regular so how about that anyway three covers on your comics thanks dc what do they think of next Four covers on their comics. Do you own any double covers? I do. We Just didn't talk four. about this in our... We had, we talked about error comics on, on the Patreon this week. Yep. Just the one. I, it's a variant of... Remember when they did those like Cult of Carnage, like Web of Carnage spin-off Oh, books? yeah. One of those that I have is like a variant cover that has another variant cover stapled yeah. on top. Yeah. So. I don't have any that I know of anyway. <laughs> it's funny when they... Have you seen when they grade those? No. So when they grade them, the grade you get on the in the corner yeah. is the condition of the inside. Oh, uh, interesting. Page. So it'll say on the, in the grading notes, it'll say exterior cover nine point four, and then the comic will still get a nine point eight, right? A lot of times, the thing that's bumped or dinged or yeah. dirty is the exterior cover. You could rip that off oh, and, and have, have yeah. 
a completely minty copy of the comic right underneath it, right? Well, that's that's exactly what I said when DC started doing this. Was yeah. People are going to buy the variants. And just rip the variant cover yeah, off. Yeah, so they have a the pack a cover. fresh A cover. Yeah. It's 100% what's going to happen. <laughs> That'll be interesting to see or see if it changes the value of, of these things. But the value of DC modern comics is uh, not so crazy in like the spec world as... Yeah, uh, as Marvel is True. just I think with the popularity of the MCU and I think I've talked about this a little before, but just like the the amount of time DC and its uh, repertoire of characters has been around. It's not as big a news when a new character comes around because. They just have so many already. <laughs> yeah. Well, and historically, DC will introduce a new character and they will be gone next week. Yeah. Like, is Punchline still around? Not really. Yeah. Anyway. Anywho, how? Uh, we did it again, We Mike. did it again. Another successful episode. Or I guess you be the judge of whether we're successful or, or, or not. False. We are the judges and it was a success. All right. <laughs> another 10 out of 10. You're welcome. And we'll see you next week. Bye. First Issue Club is edited and produced by Mike DeStacy, Greg Lichtig, and Andy Vargas. Follow us on social media at First Issue Club. And check out our Patreon for videos, audio, and more at patreon.com slash first issue club.